Thank you to Hannah. Uh, like you said, I had no, nothing to do with the kids' music, uh, thank goodness. Um, but she has been, and I, I encouraged her, like, find one song, just one song. She's like, uh, no, we're doing two. And so um, thank you to Hannah and even Rachel for helping them learn those dance moves and encouraging them and everything like that. That was awesome. Um, well, welcome to Youth Sunday. It's been a jam-packed weekend, pun intended, for youth ministry. Um, we went to Winter Jam on Friday. That's the, the pun you got this morning. And so we, we um, piled in the bus. Eleven of us went down, and we uh, went down to Winter Jam and just listened to a night of worship and music. And what was cool is several kids were like, this is my first concert. And um, I just thought that was so cool that this is their first kind of step into live music. Um, it was just an awesome night of worship and Jesus and so many things. So thank you to all who went. Jody went with us and was a chaperone, helped us close the bus door because it wouldn't close. But um, it was just a great night. And so that kicked off the weekend. So that was Friday night. Saturday, we had the honor of being a part of Caitlin Sheckle's baptism. And so we did that Saturday afternoon here, um, which was just so awesome. And it's just the, the highlight of youth ministry is when a kid makes a decision, is fully committed um, in the relationship with Jesus. I asked her to share with all of us kind of what led her to this decision of baptism, and she gave me a note to read. So I'm going to read that for all of you. It says, A couple years ago when my sister Kylie was a state officer for Indiana FFA, I remember attending her church and hearing the message that we all have a chance to go to heaven to be with Jesus. I knew I heard all my siblings talk about how they were baptized, and I never was. I remember attending East Union Christian Church, with my family and hearing Pastor Mark talk about if you want Jesus in your life and ready to accept him and the choice between going to heaven or hell, I could be baptized. It bothered me all of my family was going to heaven and be with Jesus, but I was not. Throughout the last couple of years, I asked my parents if I can be baptized. Notice that, the last couple of years. I asked my parents if I could be baptized. I began attending Sunday school, and Pastor Derek helped me see how much God loved me and how important he will be in my life. I knew I was ready to accept Jesus in my life, and I wanted to one day go to heaven with my family and be with Jesus. So one day after church, I kept asking my mom, can I please be baptized? And she said, we can talk to Pastor Mark about baptism. One day after church, my mom told Pastor Mark we would like to visit with him about me being baptized. We visited a couple times to discuss baptism, and yesterday, on January 28th, 2022, I was baptized in the presence of my family, church family, Pastor Derek and Pastor Mark, and most importantly, Jesus, here at East Union Christian Church. I know he loves me and always will, no matter what. Caitlin Sheckle. And so, congratulations, Caitlin. We are so proud, and I don't know where you are. I keep scanning. She's somewhere here, because she was in Sunday school this morning. Oh, there she is. We are so proud, and... Um, we are just so excited to see how God's going to use you, when you as you continue to grow up. So most of you in this room have probably figured out that I have an ADD tendency. I, those in my Sunday school class will definitely know. We jump around a lot, and we talk about a lot of different things, and sometimes we stay on topic, sometimes we don't, but that's just how my brain works. And as we were preparing for Caitlin's baptism and even just talking about this whole idea of committing to something, committing your life to Jesus, and what that looks like, 
Um, for me, as we're in the end of January, if any of us have made New Year's resolutions and it's the end of January, how many of you have already lost a New Year's resolution? Just me. Great. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but it is hard. For me, it is so easy to start a commitment. I am all in. I get super invested. I research. I do all this. An example for you is 3D printing. Last March, I wanted to really get into 3D printing. So I bought a 3D printer, it was on sale. I got filament and stuff and I started tinkering with it. And I was super into it, I was on forums, I was on pages, I was learning as much as I can about this thing, troubleshooting different things, how I could build different things with this 3D printer. And I was super committed to it and then I just wasn't. It sits in a box in my house right now. It hasn't been taken out since we have moved, it's been two months. and. When I think about it, when I think about that thing in the box, the time and energy and money I've spent on this thing that now sits in a box, I, I feel some guilt and some shame and some, well, I should get that out and work on it because I've invested into this thing. And sometimes our relationship with Jesus can feel like the same thing. If we miss a day of our Bible reading or we're not praying as much. Maybe we, we aren't serving like we should. We feel this guilt and shame for not doing enough. And one, that is not what Jesus wants us to feel. That is what Satan wants us to feel. Because if you're like me, if you feel that, you just stop completely. Because what's the point if we feel this guilt and this shame? Jesus never meant for a commitment to make us feel shame. Will we do it perfectly all the time? Absolutely not. We will screw up. We will mess up. Paul says in Romans, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That is just part of our walk with Jesus. And, and I loved getting to talk with Caitlin about her decision to be baptized because we heard two things. One, she was persistent. As I read in the letter, it was a couple years of her nagging, I want to be baptized, I want to be baptized, and that didn't go away. And so one, she was persistent, and two, she is so hungry to learn more and more about Jesus and what he has planned for her life. I see that in Sunday school as she asks questions. I saw that during this whole process of baptism as she was just ready to jump in head first. And it's so encouraging and refreshing to hear that as someone that has been in the church and has been committed follower of Jesus for many years, but... It's, it's that honeymoon phase. It's that week after camp phase. It's that New Year's resolution phase. We are excited. We are pumped. It is fresh. It is new. It is exciting. If you guys will turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 6, verse 4. That is where we're going to start. We're going to jump around a little bit, but that is where we will begin. Romans chapter 6, verse 4, it says, Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. That is what Caitlin experienced yesterday. That is what we experienced when we made that decision to follow Jesus, this newness of life, this excitement. But unfortunately, life happens in seasons, and seasons end. Uh, if you'll flip with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, I'm pretty sure the last time I preached I covered this, but we're just going to go over it again. It's a good reminder. 
Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, it says, For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven. And the rest of that chapter goes on to list several. There's a time for life. There's a time for death. There's a time for um, blessings. There's a time for sadness. And all these things, there are seasons in life. And so as we become committed and get into a routine of following Jesus, those seasons end, unfortunately. The honeymoon is over. The week of camp, you come home and you face life as it was. New Year's resolutions get done with by the end of January. So how do we stay committed to Jesus? How do we fight against this, this end of January fatigue And how do we stay committed to Jesus after this adrenaline, after the excitement, after the newness season is done? If you'll turn with me to 2 Timothy 4.2, we'll start diving into what we should be doing to stay completely committed. There are things we need to be doing no matter what season we are in. We need to stay committed and stay in the word and praying. And it'd be so easy for me to just stand up here and give you the church checklist of things, ways to stay committed. But I don't think that's what Jesus wants. Jesus doesn't want us to go through a checklist. He wants us to be truly committed to us to be truly in love with with the word, with him, with serving other people. And those things should be an outpouring of where our hearts are at. So 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, it says, Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. And, ex- and complete patience and teaching. There is never a time that we can be like, it's not my season, no preaching, teaching, all that stuff for me. We are always to be ready, whether we are ready to go or maybe we're just going through a time right now. And I know all of us in the last couple of years, there's been a time we have went through that we have just felt overwhelmed, burned out, whatever it may be. But what Paul is encouraging Timothy in this is that we are always ready to preach. God will always use us no matter what season we're in. And usually, what's funny is God usually chooses to use us when we don't think we're ready. Um, We were talking this week, me and Mark, as I was preparing, and it's usually the sermon that we've poured into the most that no one gets anything out of, because you know what? That's more of us than it is God. But the sermons we prepare, the times we prepare, that it's more God than us, more people are reached. And that's not an accident. That is because God works through us. We talked in Sunday school this morning about um, how we are mere tools for God to use. A hammer, if a hammer is trying to be better than the person using it, it doesn't make any sense. Hammers don't just float and make stuff. I wish they did sometimes, but they don't. But we are the tools, and if we allow God to work through us in season or out of season, he will do so. But again, we need to be committed to this idea of following Jesus. Now, if you'll flip with me to Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. I told you I was ADD, so that's why we jump around a lot. Philippians 3, 13 and 14. It says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind And straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. 
At least for me, when I miss a day of reading, or maybe I'm not drinking enough water, or I don't exercise enough, like we talked about, I have this guilt and this shame that follow. What I love about these verses that Paul is writing is that we need to forget what's behind. Jesus already forgave us for what's behind. In verse 14, it says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. We sang about that this morning, too, as Gino and Mary Beth led us. It's this idea of we need to keep our eyes on the prize. We don't need to commit to, well, we do need to commit to reading our Bible more and praying and all these churchy things to do. But our real commitment should be keeping our eyes on Jesus and chasing after him every chance we get. Our vision is and should always be to become more and more like Jesus to the world around us. And that happens when we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. So what are we even supposed to commit to? My goal is to commit to getting out of my routine. I, for me, it was I wake up, I read my Bible, I go to work, I read stuff um, if I'm going through a book right then. And I get in this routine and I'm really good at it for a week or two. And then I miss a day, or someone has a doctor's appointment, or something shakes up the routine, and I feel shame and guilt for missing something. But for me, and just my mind and how it works, and I believe Jesus and how the disciples work, this whole idea of we have to do this at this time, we have to pray before we eat, we have to do this, we have to do that, all are good things, but Jesus didn't have a routine. The disciples didn't have a routine. They looked forward toward the goal, they saw needs, they met them, they healed sick, they did miracles, they went and they preached, and they just went with the assurance that they were following God's plan. For us, we have to schedule it. And yes, that happens because we have work and different things, and life is a lot more complicated than it was back in these times. But what would it look like if we didn't have our normal routine and we just followed God and were committed to our relationship with Jesus outside of when we study or when we do that. And so for me personally, our commitment needs to be outside of these walls. And like I've said up here before, for a pastor that this is my job, that is so difficult to do sometimes because I feel like I'm always working. But that is what we are called to do. No matter what our um, job is, we are always supposed to be working. Like Timothy said in um, chapter 4, we are ready in season and out of season, no matter what. And as we look at the lives of Jesus and the disciples, we don't see a routine. They never said in the book of Acts, we got together every Sunday at 10 and met and started with worship and then called to worship. They just baptized and loved and taught, and, and it was tremendous, and the growth was by thousands upon thousands. And so I think when we put... Jesus in this box of our routine, we don't give him the chance to truly work in our lives. We put him in this box and say, you're good from Sundays, from nine if we come to Sunday school till the end of that, and then we get lunch and we go about our busy lives. But what Jesus called us to do, what Jesus played out as the disciples also did, was every moment of every day we should be striving to become more like Jesus and to sharing that with the world around us. And the way we do that is we keep our eyes on the prize. We keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Because by our own power, that doesn't happen. By our own power, we fail. By our own power, we get in these um, mundane schedules, and we get tired, and we get just 
we have that shame and that guilt that fill us, and that's not from God, that's from Satan. And so we need to commit to shaking up our routine, not saying not doing any of those things, but we need to be committed to Jesus and keep our eyes fixed on him and let the other things be an outpouring of that for us. Now, if you'll turn with me to Romans chapter 5, verse 3 through 5. Probably should have told you to keep your finger in Romans, but that's all right. Romans chapter 5, verse 3 through 5, it says, Not only so, but, also glory, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I love, I love verse 4. Through suffering comes perseverance. Through perseverance comes character. Through character comes hope. And our hope is in Jesus. There it is. Thank you. Our hope is in Jesus. And so the fact that we do suffer, we suffer together. When we go through that suffering, we persevere and we become stronger and com- more committed to this relationship with God And then it builds our character, and building our character, we find this hope in Jesus Christ who died on the cross for us. Not that we were perfect, not that we deserved it, but because he loved us enough to. On Thursdays, I get to go to uh, Hamilton Heights High School for a program called Teach One to Lead One. It's mostly pastors, some faculty, a couple people on the school board. Um, But we have the opportunity to go into this program of selected students one time a week, and we have universal principles that we cover. And a universal principle is something that is true for everyone all the time, no matter what. And a couple weeks ago, we talked about this idea of compassion. And one of the guys in our group uh, loves the etymology of words, how they build together and like what the true meaning of them is. And so he shared with us that he looked up what compassion, the etymology of compassion is. And it literally means to suffer together. I don't know about you, but that hurts my heart. For us to suffer together when we have compassion for people doesn't mean just throwing money at it and hope it goes away. Although offerings in our missions are very, very important. We don't just pray for people, although praying is very important and we need to do that as well. We don't just invite people to church hoping that they'll hear something and they'll receive Jesus. Although we should be inviting people to church. We should be doing all of these things. What this verse in Romans is saying is what compassion should be is meeting people where they are at, to talk with them with no agenda, to meet their needs, and to love them as Jesus would. That is what we are called to do. We are called to love others as Jesus loved us, to suffer with others. So what do we need to commit or recommit to this morning? If you're like Caitlin, maybe you're at the beginning of your journey. Maybe you haven't made a decision for Jesus. Or maybe you're in that honeymoon phase and you're excited and ready to jump in. Keep being excited. Don't lose that. Yes, there are seasons and life happens, but really awesome, cool things happen in that phase. Maybe... 
you need to commit to shaking up your routine. Maybe you're like me and you, you start your day and everything falls into place and when it doesn't, it shakes everything up and instead of feeling called to shake it up and go do something else, you just want to give up. Maybe you're burnt out and you need to change what we're doing Maybe we need to commit to, instead of just jumping in with whatever people say, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. Maybe that commitment looks like getting more involved here at church, whether it's volunteering or greeting or whatever it may be. Maybe it's commit to serve outside of this building. Maybe it's committing to serve others in need. Maybe a neighbor, maybe the gas station attendant, whoever it may be. Jesus called us to serve people outside of this room. We are here to recharge. We are here to fellowship. We are here to love one another and encourage one another and to be there for one another. But it cannot stop here. It should not stop here. For us, this is just where we get filled up. This is the gas station. We leave here and we reach those people that don't know Jesus yet. That is the mission and that is the goal. That's why I love Caitlin's story as well. It was her sister who talked to her about this, and then her family talked about it together, and then she came to this, to this decision by herself and wanted to spend eternity with Jesus and her family. When I was in second grade, I believe I've shared this story, but maybe some of you haven't heard it. When I was sitting in a Sunday school class and Donnie DiPortillo was teaching, she talked about this whole idea about heaven and hell. And there, if we accepted Jesus, if we were committed to Jesus, if we followed Jesus, we got to spend eternity with our heavenly father. And me growing up with that, without a dad, that like sparked my interest. I'm like, dad, wait, what? But if we chose not to, if we chose to live for ourselves, if we chose to commit to the things of this world that will one day pass away, well, then hell was in our future. And so I stayed after, and I talked to a sweet, old, retired, he has passed away since, but sweet, old, retired lady, and I asked her about this whole idea of spending eternity with heaven, with God in heaven, and having a heavenly father. And she explained it's not an actual dude that will play catch with you. It's a heavenly father, and how that worked, and how I needed to live my life, and what were the next steps for me. And she walked me through, well, when you make this decision, then you are baptized, and then you have received this gift of the Holy Spirit. And you will do great things. And so I made that decision, just like Caitlin did, to be baptized, to be accepted into this family of God, to have a heavenly father that would never leave me or forsake me. And I, in second grade, I made that decision. And yes, have my, has my life been perfect from then until now? Absolutely not. You can ask my wife. But... My commitment is to follow Jesus, and when I do mess up, when I do the wrong thing, when I screw up, when I'm not fully committed to reading my Bible every day like I should, when I'm not praying enough, when I'm not serving people as Jesus would serve and love other people, we serve a God who loves us enough to love us through our mistakes, to love us through our um, sin, love us through our pain. Because Jesus died on the cross for our sins thousands of years ago. Nothing we can do will not be covered. We need to receive that grace and that mercy from Jesus because he loved us. And that's the part that blows me away about the gospel story. We don't deserve this. 
We didn't earn this. If anything, if we read through Scripture, I'm surprised God didn't just throw an asteroid at us and start over. But this book, that our lives are, are woven with love for us. God didn't just strike us down and strike us with lightning, even if I think that was the best idea. Thank goodness I'm not God. But he did it because he truly loved his children. He wanted what was best for them. He wants us to be in a committed relationship with him, for not to just be a Sunday morning, but to be every day as we leave here, as we serve other people, as we see a need, he will guide us, he will love us through it, and he will be there for us no matter what.